Before we jump into this week's episode, I would like to take a minute to allow you to prepare emotionally for the content we will cover today, or to decide to take a break and not listen. While I'm eager for you to hear about these topics, your well-being is of the greatest importance to me. Hey, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by funding through the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Often when we hear of trauma, it's defined as that big T trauma, that catastrophic, violent event, witnessing the death of another human, experiencing a natural disaster. But when we look at trauma in only that way as the big T trauma, we can unintentionally, you know, disregard or forget that we and others experience trauma and how normalized trauma has become in our society. But you've been listening to this podcast, right, since the beginning, at least since last season when we talked really in depth, started talking really in depth about trauma. You know that trauma is more than that. It's an event or series of events, an experience or a prolonged experience and or a threat or a perceived threat to your well-being. And remember, it's not always a negative experience. But here's the thing. Most Black children, as we've been talking about over the last five months in my some of my episodes about trauma specifically, about stuff that Haney's talked about when talking about what are these pillars and how do we nurture them, and some of the things that Rudy has shared with us in our interviews and in our unscripted, you know, most black children and children of color in the United States encounter racism in their daily lives. Racial trauma or the exposure and or re-exposure to race-based adversity, discrimination, and stress is, shocker, harmful to a child's development and well-being. You know, these are things like Um, Threats of harm and injury, hate speech, humiliating or shaming events, um, any other form of individual, historical, or institutional racism. You know, and children also experience racial trauma after hearing about or witnessing another person's direct experiences. Right? So going back to what we know to be true about trauma, it's, it's big, it's little, it's negative, it's positive, it's perceived. It's what happens to us and the people around us. So to protect, to help protect children from the harmful effects of that racial trauma, we have to start talking to them about race and racism early, when children are really young, when they're developing that sense of racial identity. You know, that we as adults have to be advocates for the children in our care. So in today's episode, I want to talk about how we can use trauma-informed care practices and principles, the things that we talked about very specifically at the end of episode, I'm sorry, at the end of season two last year. I want to talk about how we can use these practices and principles to teach children how to be advocates and how for us to be advocates. Right. And remember that that trauma care, trauma informed care practices and principles focus on um, all parties involved recognize and respond to the impact of traumatic stress on children, caregivers and service providers. They focus on shifting the focus from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. And trauma informed care practices and principles focus on 
acting in collaboration to maximize physical and psychological safety and facilitate the recovery of the child and the family. The ways that we we put this trauma-informed care practice into our everyday practice, we focus on nurturing responsive relationships, creating safe learning environments that use positive directions and expectations, unpredictable transitions, helping children regulate their emotions and express their feelings appropriately. So, you know, I think it's pretty common. I mean, I'll be honest, for me, as you guys know, um, don't have human children of my own, but I'm very much an ed- educator and, and an advocate, I hope, and an ally. Um, you know, I worry about, gosh, should we talk to kids about trauma? Should we talk to them about racism? Should we talk to them about racial trauma? How early is too early? You know, here's the thing. Research shows that far too many adults are not talking to children about race. And I think what I know to be true about children is that they have questions too. They have feelings too. They have thoughts too. They see and experience the same things we do as adults, but they do them through this lens that doesn't have our, doesn't have our executive function, doesn't have our ability to reason through, doesn't have our ability to, you know, find more information readily, but also through a lens that doesn't have some of our biases and our beliefs and our experiences. And I, I say that because I know this to be true about children is that they, they want the truth and, and obviously not the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but the truth that best educates them in the questions that they're asking. And so how do we take those trauma-informed care principles, you know, about relationships and safe learning environments and regulating and express, expressing emotions appropriately? How do we use those principles and practices to apply them to advocacy? Well, honestly, <laughs> this may sound a little redundant, but the first piece of it is establishing and having a trusting and safe relationship with the children that you care for, whether they're children that come to you for care or children that you, you know, created on your own or brought into your family. That trusting and safe relationship, right, where we're noticing children's emotional expressions attuned to their overload points, you know, and how to help them uh, regulate speaking to children in a warm, positive, calm, and supportive manner, actively listening, letting them feel, helping them feel noticed, you know, spending time with them, recognizing their efforts. That's where this, this piece of advocacy starts from. This idea that you have a trusting, safe relationship with another human. So when we dive a little bit more deeply into advocacy, and I do want to note that throughout this episode, a lot of the language that I'm using about advocacy in children does does focus a lot on race. Um, I think I've mentioned in, a, in an episode or two in the past, when we talk about anti-bias, it's so huge. It's so big. How do I, how do I address it all? How do I, how do I teach them everything? Well, you have to start with baby steps. And I, I have chosen in this particular episode, I've chosen to focus on really on race and racial trauma and and helping children become advocates for those that are a different race from them. 
So another piece of this applying trauma-informed care practices to becoming an advocate is to prepare yourself before you talk to children. Because I'm, if you've ever met children, right, like <laughs> these conversations just happen sometimes, you know, they just ask a question. And so I think it's really important that we as adults, when we recognize that there are things happening in our world, there are topics of conversation that we don't know about, we have to prepare ourselves. And, and you don't know what you don't know, right? So when children ask that question and you don't know the answer to them, the answer to that, please tell them, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to do some research and I will give you an answer. Or even better yet, depending on their age, say, let's research this together and see if we can find an answer to that question. Because it is okay to not know the answer. And I will tell you, as a person who struggles with that, it's really easy for me to say that. <laughs> and it's hard to do. But it's children have to see us as adults not knowing the answer. But when you know that there's something happening, there's a topic, there's, 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 there's something happening in your world or something you want to know more about, you have to prepare yourself. And when we talk about race and advocacy, the first place to prepare yourself is to reflect on what you know and recognize what's in your power, right? That self-reflection and self-critique. We've talked about it on so many different episodes, not just to do with antibias and trauma, but so many pieces of self-reflection, your own beliefs, your biases, your understandings of race and inequities, class and identity. So important. Reflecting on your own lived experiences. I've, I hope, have been very vulnerable and open about my experiences growing up in a small Western Kansas town where it was pretty much all white and pretty much all Christian. You know, really thinking on, reflecting on that, reflecting on your level of privilege and how you interpret the current events really can influence how you're talking to children and other people about these topics. So I think the first piece in this preparing your children, especially around this topic of race and advocacy, is self-reflection. So, but it's also important, something that, uh, one of the really cool things that I've learned um, throughout my research for this particular episode is engaging in the practice of cultural humility. Um, and this is a process of openness, self-awareness, being egoless, and incorporating self-reflection and critique after willingly interacting with diverse individuals, resulting in mutual empowerment, respect, partnerships, optimal care, and lifelong learning. Embrace the complexity of diversity. Be open to individual differences and the social experiences that come from these differences. Reserve judgment of others based on their skin color, their, their ethnicity, their, where they come from, how they speak, what kind of job they have. Relate to others in ways that are most understandable to them. Meet people where they are, which is hard, right? Because that means that we have to maybe put aside where we are and our understanding and our experiences and our beliefs and biases. We have to set those things aside to see where the other person's coming from. Cultural humility is a 
constant effort to become more familiar with the worldview of others. It's an ongoing process. It's not an outcome. You know, it's that awareness and appreciation of everyone's physical and social environment. So beyond that, just that preparing yourself, that self-reflection, also educate yourself. Do your research. You're not expected to be an expert, (laughs) but take it upon yourself to get informed. These are topics that are difficult for a variety of reasons to a variety of people. Understand that this is a learning process. We all have something to learn. And that part about take it, take it upon yourself to get informed. Don't require or ask or demand of other populations of people to educate you on their struggles. Find literature. Find trusted, reputable sources to read about and learn about the things that other people have gone through. And acknowledge what you don't know. Like I said before, if you don't know the answer to a question from a child or another adult, it's okay. Let them know you'll look into it. Ask them to help you look into it. Right? But encourage children to continue asking questions. Just because you don't know doesn't know doesn't mean that you're not still an important model for them. I would argue that you're an, you become an even more important model or person to them when you say, I don't know, let's find out. So another piece of this is to listen carefully to children and validate their experiences and feelings. Right? It can, it can be important for adults to share their own experiences, beliefs about racism with children. But it's equally and I would maybe argue even more important to encourage them to express their opinions and feelings and ask the questions on their mind, right? And younger children, very typically, developmentally appropriate, are going to focus more on how these events will affect them um, and the, the people that they love that are present in their life. Whereas, you know, older children might start to look at the bigger, broader picture, Um And caregivers, you know, we can acknowledge and validate and then, you know, continue to monitor their current and ongoing emotions and reactions by letting them know it's okay to feel the way that they do and that others likely feel the same way. And it's really also essential that we're having these conversations, that we're letting them express themselves and their feelings so that we can figure out if there are any misconceptions or misinformation that they have. You know, what questions are they asking? What do they already know? What are they concerned about? Um, There's a lot of wonderful age-appropriate, diverse books, stories, movies out there about different societies, cultures, ideas, injustices, social justice, etc. out there that are so wonderful to use um, with children to help better understand these ideas of being an advocate and an anti-racist. Another piece of this listening careful to children is to be patient. (laughs) You know, maybe your child's not able to actually 
express in a way that you understand how they feel or that things don't make sense. And that's okay too, right? It takes time to process life, <laughs> you know, becoming human, becoming a person. That takes a lot. And then we add in these social constructs and these, these centuries long issues that even us as grown adults can't always understand. That can be a lot for a little person. So just be patient and reassure and care for these children, right? They, they, all they want to know, like, like we said at the top of this, you know, that safe, trusting relationship, they want to know that you're going to keep them safe and help them manage those strong emotions. You know, and a great way to do this is to maintain regular routines with children for eating, sleeping, playing, learning, etc. The more safe and predictable their world is, the more they can are better able to begin to handle things that come at them that are out of left field. You know, and again, check in regularly with children, especially if you have children that are starting to ask questions about race, about racism, about things that they've seen and heard. You know, you don't have to give them, you know, a dissertation on racial trauma throughout the centuries. Answer their questions, but then check back in with them. See where they've processed. See what questions they have now. And within all of this talk, make sure that you're speaking to children about racism and race in age-appropriate ways. So about the time they're three-ish or so, preschool, children begin to understand that concept of fairness, right? So talking to children about race and racism with a focus on, with a focus on promoting resilience to discrimination. Be honest and factual in discussing individual differences like skin color, hair texture, and color. Right? If your child asks about someone's skin tone, you might say, yeah, isn't that so cool that we have different looking skin? Let's, let's look and hold your arms against each other. But then also acknowledge that people are treated differently because of the color of their skin and that these different standards are not fair. Talk about how unfairness and racism are a part of history for black people in this country and how the histories of people from different races, you know, black, Hispanic, Native American, Alaskan Native, white, etc., differ in the extent and the type of discrimination or privilege afforded to those races. Ongoing discussions are really, really important for white children and youth to develop their own racial awareness, identity, attitudes, beliefs, privilege, what comes from the privilege of, of their race. It's really important that we continue, again, like I said above, check in with them, have these ongoing conversations with them so that you can correct misinformation as it comes up. You know, kids, kids talk, <laughs> kids talk to each other and you know, they hear something <clears throat> and if it doesn't make sense to them or, but no one corrects that misinformation, that, that becomes their truth. We want to help children better understand that no one is less human than another and we should treat everyone fairly with respect and kindness. Another piece of this um, is to limit children's exposure to graphic media you know, media coverage, social media, and adult conversations around 
some issues, you know, um, protests have occurred throughout history, right? To express our feelings over taxes and conflict, violence, injustice, discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that, and that, that right is, is firmly American, you know, in the United States, that right to peacefully assemble. It's protected, you know, as a way to stand together and have your voice heard, to advocate for change, right? So it's important that your child understand what's happening if they are to see those things, but also understand that the images and the stories that are on the news and in social media, those can be anxiety and and fear-inducing for both children and adults. Um, You know, I think sometimes watching the news can can be an exercise in the strength of your stomach for as an adult. So think about that for your children, but also know again, going back to those ongoing discussions, those listening to what they have to say, being patient, checking in, correcting misinformation, because media, social media, adult conversations, those are happening around our children all the time. And so it's really important that we're constantly checking in and then doing our best to limit their exposure to that when we aren't able there to be there with them. And finally, and perhaps maybe most difficult, and I say this as a fellow adult, is to be a good role model. You know, as children get older, they begin to reflect the beliefs and values and behaviors of the people that they spend the most time around the people they trust the most, the people they love the most, their friends, their family. And so it's important to remember, you know, for us as adults especially, that things like stereotyping, jokes at the expense of others, subtle and not so subtle remarks, you know, these shape a child's view. And the absence of positive expressions about people who differ from you or images that are positive about people who differ from you matter as well. You know, the the media that we see, the books that we read, representation is important. And it's important that we are representing all races, all ethnicities, all the things that our children are experiencing so that they have an understanding of what those things are in their lives. So we want to model this positive, thoughtful, inclusive behavior by treating all people fairly, celebrating and talking about the benefits of racial and ethnic diversity, you know, allowing for opportunities to socialize with people of different racial groups, becoming a mentor or a role model for anti-racist beliefs and behaviors, You know, continually seeking opportunities to learn about racial injustice and telling children how you're actively working against racism. How are you actively being an advocate for those around you? And the last part of being a good role model is self-care. You know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know. But, you know, you've got to also know when you need to debrief, when you need to decompress, when you need to unplug, take a break, check in, children need to see us as adults doing that in a healthy 
positive way. That's how we can be a good role model for children. Now, I want to note before we end that, you know, sometimes children, children's or adults' experience of racial trauma can lead to serious traumatic stress that requires professional support that is beyond the scope of our training and ability. Um, the National Child Traumatic Stress Network recommends seeking help from a mental health clinician if serious problems persist longer than six weeks. So, this has been quite a journey through the four, the four pillars of anti-bias and trauma um, and how, that, how those all impact one another. And I just want to say thank you to everyone for, for tuning in and for <laughs> taking those steps on that journey of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, zipping that, zipping that body bag open with us to really start that self-reflection and that, that knowledge journey to educating ourselves and others on how ourselves and others affect one another. Um, I'm really looking forward to this next six months of this year and some of the really cool topics that um, Rudy and Haney and I are going to be addressing. But... We would love to hear from you. What are some things you'd like to hear more about, learn more about, talk more about? Um, don't forget to hit us up on social media. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency, and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kids These Days Pod. Be sure to check out the infographic and other resources for this episode in the show notes. And don't forget to hit subscribe. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Infographics by Rudy Benavides. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. See you next time on Kids These Days.